Good morning, Springs Community Church. I'm so excited to be with you guys. If you don't know this, here's, here's what's taking place today. We are in the last day of the Big Serve Weekend. If you don't know what that is, it's this gathering where we link arms with churches across our city to get out and to serve. Now, because of COVID-19, we've had to get creative. There's a leader within our body, Kim Francis. She's done an amazing job finding creative ways for us to get out and to partner. But here's what I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about today why the Big Serve, why this weekend event, it is so much more than just some weekend service project. It's not just meant to be a lifestyle where followers of Christ give their lives in service to others, but it really is symbolic of something much more beautiful, something much greater. I'm going to start, before we pray, I'm going to start by reading a section out of a high priestly prayer of Jesus's. I'm going to read a section in John chapter 17. Specifically, we're going to look at verses 20 through 23. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and jump there. Or if you'd like, you're welcome to follow along with me. And we'll pray. John 17, starting in verse 20. This is Jesus Christ praying to God the Father. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the reality that churches are gathered and scattered throughout this weekend in this city, linked arms in a unified sense of loving and serving, of advancing your kingdom, not coming and staying in just their one small local gathering, which is beautiful and wonderful, but uniting in a broader sense of your church, demonstrating a unity and testifying to the beauty. God, I'd ask that you would use this time to just enlighten your word as we try to understand what your son meant by this prayer. I can't bring life change. Only you can. Would you do that, God? Would you help me to love you more? Would you help those of us who know you to love you more? And then would you use the beauty and the unity of your church to demonstrate to those who don't know you or who wrestle with faith why you are true, why you are right, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So growing up, I've always heard this story repeatedly told by my dad. It's a story, now I don't remember when exactly it took place because I was so little, but it's a story about me and my older sister. I have a great older sister. Her name's Anne. She's about three and a half years older than me. The story goes like this. We were little kids and my dad is form of discipline to make sure we would listen, all that kind of stuff. He would do the rule counting to three, right? You probably know this if you're a parent. If not, you're a kid. You've probably heard this, right? The parent will go one, two, and as they get to three, consequences happen, negative things happen. Now my dad, with us, because we listened, because we were such angels, that's not true at all, he had never fully gotten to three, so he tells this story where there's this one time my sister and I, and we were probably fighting or arguing or doing something, and then he just comes and he starts counting to three. But as soon as he started counting to three, all of a sudden, according to him, my sister and I, we got on the same team. You see, he says he counts to one. He's looking there at my sister Anne, and then there I am. 
and then he counts to two. And then my dad, the way he describes the story, he says this right after he counts to two. There's this moment where my older sister, she looks at me. She looks at me with almost this telepathic connection where there's this sense of, okay, John, you and me, we are going to hold the line. We are going to find out what's on the other side of three. Are you with me? And there's this internal thing between me and her, the way he describes it, this internal thing, being like, let's do it, Ann. Let's go to three. Let's make him say it. My dad sensing this moment of unity and then sensing that he's going to have to actually count to the three and then follow through the, for, for the first time, he just starts laughing. He just starts laughing, and the way he tells the story, it was right then and there that he lost the power of counting to three, and Ann and I were free to run the house. Now, that's not true at all. We never ran the house or anything like that. It's this like funny story in my family that we talk about at family gatherings of there was this moment of unity between my sister and I. See, it's so interesting because that moment of unity, it, it stood out to my dad. Like he remembers it, and it's funny, and we laugh about it as there's this moment where we kind of like link arms together. It's a fascinating thing to think about unity, especially in our culture and in the climate of today. Right, because unity, it's rarely shown. Unity, it's rarely celebrated. Like, like we live now much more so in a culture that fosters, creates, adds gasoline to the fire, of disunity. Like where you could come and you can just turn on a news station, you could talk with friends, and in the past where you could have disagreed, yet still been connected, still been unified, now all of a sudden disagreement means dislove, disunity. It's amazing that unity stands out so much now. The reason I share this, guys, is because this weekend, as we have talked about the Big Serve weekend, as we've been looking forward to it, as we, even here at the Springs, like we're looking at SJRC Connections, all these other places that we want to go and we want to serve, this has been one of the most special Big Serve events that I've had the privilege of being a part of. Now, Big Serve has been a gathering, an event, and a ministry, and a mobilization for, I think, almost six years now. I've had the privilege of being a part of it for the past three. This has been one of the ones that I've been the most excited for, and here's why. In the midst of a time where so many folks would say, you guys shouldn't unite. You guys should divide. You guys shouldn't agree. You should disagree. You guys shouldn't come together. You should do it on your own. You guys shouldn't unify. You should continue in like silos. The big serve is this beautiful, symbolic picture of as the world divides, the church of Jesus Christ unites. As the world divides, the church of Jesus Christ unites. And this, week, this weekend, we are uniting around a common call to serve the reality that as followers of Christ, the ones who have been served by the King, He changed our lives, and we want to give our lives away for anyone and everyone that it's not just a service weekend. This is a way of life. This is not something we come and we just check the box. We pour our lives out as a drink offering. But we have the privilege, we get the gift to do that by linking arms with other churches all across the city. Guys, that stands out in a culture of division, unity, testifies to something different. I would say it testifies to something supernatural. 
I'm so excited to talk about today how this weekend, yes, it is about serving. Yes, it is about generosity and caring for. It is about getting created in the midst of a pandemic and how can we still mobilize, love, serve, and give our life away. But it is also a picture of something beautiful. It is a picture of the unity of the church. And the reason that matters so much is this. Our unity is our testimony. I'm excited to spend our time today talking about how our unity, it is our testimony. And here's, here's what I mean. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what's true. You are a part of the spiritual family of God that has connected all believers since the moment of creation to now. You are a part of that spiritual family. You are united. That unity is meant to testify to the world there is someone, there is a love, there is a grace, there is a forgiveness, there is a redemption that unites. If you're here and you're watching this and you don't believe in Jesus or you're tracking with faith or you're wrestling with it, here's one of the things that I think you see all the time. You see division. You see disagreement. You see people tear one another down. You see people in relationships. And honestly, I imagine if you're like me, you even looked at it and thought, man, some of the reasons we're doing this for now, it's trivial. Am I saying that there aren't good reasons to disagree or, or even not unite? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying so much of what that's become, it's become foolishness. And you've noticed it. I've noticed it. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that there is a bond from the faith of Jesus Christ. It's thicker than blood. It goes deeper than, than uh, wealth disparity. It covers every color of skin and ethnic background, education level, status, profession, retirement account. It covers all of that. And it's a union that comes through Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at Jesus. He has this beautiful high priestly prayer in John 17. I want to look at that and understand how our unity, church, it is our testimony. So if you have a Bible, again, turn with me to John chapter 17 as we look at this section of Scripture that I'm so excited for us to see. As you're turning there, here's what you need to know. Jesus has come, and in this high priestly prayer, this chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, this biography of Jesus Christ's life that is meant to help people come to believe in him, to demonstrate that he is the Son of God come to save us. There's this prayer there's this beautiful moment where we have an insight into the prayer life of Jesus. And Jesus, he starts it out. We're not going to read all this. He starts it out by praying for himself. He's praying for himself because there's a glory that awaits him. It's the glory that awaits him at the cross. Or he will die for you and he will die for me. The second section, and this is really verses 6 through 19, he's going to shift from praying for himself to he's going to pray for his disciples. The men in the room the ones who would go and advance the kingdom of his church, the one whom Judas would turn and betray. But the one by faith with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit would set the world on fire with his gospel message. And then he shifts to the bottom section, and we're just going to look at part of it. In the bottom section, he prays for you, and he prays for me, future believers. So grab your Bible and read with me again. I'm going to read verses 20 through 23. And then we're going to talk through how our unity, church, is our testimony. 
He starts in verse 20, I do not ask for these only. He's referencing the disciples. I'm not just praying this for the disciples, God, but he says, but I'm praying also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. So as he's praying for unity, he's showing how, God, the, the, the unity that I have with you, the Father, that's the unity that I want to demonstrate through the church. These believers that will come as the word is spread, as the message is told, that's the unity that I want to flow. That they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's a heavy responsibility, church. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they also may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and hear this, have loved them even as you loved me. Guys, there's so much in this section that we could talk about that we could break down, but here's this anchor theme to it. Our unity is our testimony. The unity of the church is the testimony of Christ. You see Jesus praying to the Father for unity multiple times in here. He says, may all be one, that they may be in us perfectly one. He's talking about unity. He, he gives the references to even speak to how, hey, Father, my relationship with you, how we are united, let it be the same symbolic relationship of this church. If you're married, marriage carries the same theme here. There's a sense of oneness. That's the language he's using here. There's a sense of oneness that's demonstrated through covenant marriage. Here's what's crazy, guys. In a world of disunity, Christ is praying for the opposite. Now, do you think that disunity or disagreement or argument is new to us? No way. Do you think that we somehow, even though right now times in America seemingly more polarized, more disunity uh, than there's arguably been since the time of the Civil War, do you think the Church of Jesus Christ has not endured worse? I don't. And what is Christ praying for in the future? This anchor call to unity. See, guys, here's the beauty. As the world divides, the church of Jesus Christ unites. What are we uniting under? We are uniting under the common banner that we are saved by grace, through faith, through the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the orthodox line of doctrine that runs from the moment of the cross through Pentecost, through church history to you and to me. Unity. Now, does unity mean uniformity? No. Are there good reasons why there are different denominations? Yes. Are there good reasons why local churches hold different doctrines and teachings? Yes. But despite those moments of disagreement, what is Christ calling for? He's not praying for uniformity. He is praying for unity. An anthem that would ring out from the soul of a brother or sister in Christ that says, no matter my background, no, no matter my values, 
if when you put your head on the pillow, you say the prayer by faith, sincerely, say before him, if you say the prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You and I, we have the same spiritual father. You and I are a son and a daughter of the same king. Does that mean there's not disagreements? Does that mean there's not stuff that you talk through? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there's a unity in the midst of a world where everything is about division. That unity is meant to stand out. And when, when the church does this well, guys, it's beautiful. It's different. It's unique. The first time I was a part of the big serve, this would have been... I think 2017, there was this fun thing where three churches had come together at that time. Amazing churches had come together, and we were going to go out, we were going to serve the community, and at the end of that, we were going to do this lunch. It was here at McKenna. I was new to the Springs. I was learning my way through. There's this moment, though, where we're all going to do lunch, and we're going to hang out. There's three pastors, and they all wanted to be appropriate and kind and polite. They said, hey, why don't all three pastors pray for the meal? I can remember they came up and said, hey, do you want to do that? And sincerely, there was like a, hey, those guys are welcome to pray. And they pressed, no, 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 well, why don't, why don't you do that? Why don't you go pray? And I said, okay, well, hey, if I do that, I, my theology, my doctrine will view this meal as the Lord's Supper, as communion. To the best of my knowledge, and I went and I talked to them about it, Theirs would not. And I said, if I'm handed that microphone, by conviction, that is how I will lead that time. So here's what I did. I had the chance, and I was getting to know these pastors, and I said, okay, well, hey, I'll just go ask them. And I went up to both pastors, and they're so faithful. They're great guys. We're still friends. And I went over and said, hey, guys, no, you guys are going to pray. Here's the deal. Y'all are welcome to pray without me. I know the way that you might hold the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist will be different, especially per tradition and background than the stance that I would hold in accordance with Scripture. But hey, guys, if I get that microphone, here's what I will do. I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because I don't think everyone here is a follower of him. And then for those who believe, I will lead us in a time of communion, broken body, shed blood, recognized through the meal. And I'll never forget, man, I can remember sitting there, these two pastors, and I'm expecting like, hey, man, thank you so much for telling us. That's very respectful of you. You could have just done that without even giving us a heads up. But honestly, you're right. That'd be a violation. And these pastors, and it was in faithfulness, these pastors, they just looked at me and they said, that sounds great. Go for it. Was there total agreement, total um, uniformity in our stance and even doctrine in that moment? No. But did they say, get after it? Yes. And then they stood on that stage and they celebrated and they prayed with me as I led it through that time. Church, here's the thing. Most folks, non-believers, if they were to walk into the room in that moment, in that time, they, they would not understand a, a theological complexity. Some of you even listening to this might not understand it. But here's what they would have seen. They would have seen a group of people from different backgrounds, different races, different traditions, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education levels, statuses, retirements, bank accounts, all of that, and they would have seen a common unity. What was it? A group of people that recognized that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And while we have disagreements, we are united in service. That weekend, that Sunday morning, what did we go do? We just went and served. We just went and loved on people. Are there other ways to do it? Yes, but is service a beautiful way to make it happen? Yeah. A theme that we see in our unity 
is our testimony. Unity really matters. You see, people become known for their reputation. What is the reputation that Jesus Christ once described of his church? There's two different places that I could generally pull from, right? But there's two key words that I'd put to it. I would describe the word love, it's meant to mark, and then here you're really seeing a word unity. What I'm excited, though, is you get to see why unity matters, and that's because it is a testimony. So jump back in with me. I want to read again verses 20 through 23 to see how our unity is our testimony, but through the lens of how does unity testify to something different. Going back to 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they also may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So again, we're tracking unity. So that, so this is the why. If before unity is the what, now we're going to see the why. So that the world may believe that you sent me. What's the first thing that our unity is meant to give testimony to? The belief of Christ. The truth of his message. That is why this Big Serve weekend is far more than an event where you show up or you jump on an Amazon wish list and you place an order because you can't go in person. It is an aspect and a demonstration of the unity of Jesus Christ. And the gospel his love for you and his love for me. He clarifies it even more in his prayer, continuing there, verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. And then you hear the why again. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that. You hear the second so that. So that. The world may know that you sent me, that's belief, and loved them even as you loved me. Our unity church, it's our testimony. That's why this weekend it matters. That's why Big Serve Weekend it is an anthem of this church body. Why it is an anthem of your Bible? It is the prayer of Jesus Christ. Because he knows unity testifies to something. It testifies that they may believe that when the world looks and they see division and they see people coming here during a time of disunity, uniting in common love and service, they'll say there's something different. That's not the way it looks. It will give testimony to a different kind of love. I love Jesus' prayer here where he says, love them as you have loved me. Hey, church, let me ask you. How do you think God feels about you? How do you think when he feels his love, he feels that towards you? Because here's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, hey, God, I'm praying the way you love me, and we all think God really loves Jesus. He's all in on Jesus. He delights in Jesus. The way you love me, love them that way too. The way you love me is the way you love them. Jesus expounds on it. If you want to jump down, we're just going to read real quickly verse 26. He expounds, I made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known that, you could say here, so that, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Church, there's this beautiful thought at what unites us is the fact that God so deeply loves us. 
There is a view biblically here through Jesus Christ that what unites us is how deeply God loves us. See, we have a tendency, particularly in American church or even local here in New Braunfels or even just the Springs, to have a very myopic or, or narrow or singular view of church. The universal church of Jesus Christ spreads across every continent. It gathers in hidden churches in Syria, in Asia, church fathers of Africa, South America, North America, all over advancing the gospel. It has connected us since a time of Pentecost. And there's been something that unites us. It's that we're a part of the spiritual family of God. Like when there is a family reunion, you might have the folks who the cousins that you don't fully know or they're from another part of town and you almost have to go to your family and be like, hey, can you remind me? What is that third aunt's name? What's my second uncle's name? Or how do I call or where are they from? But you know who shows up to the family reunion? The family. And you know how God looks at his people? He says, I love you. I love you the way I love Christ. You don't deserve that. Neither do I. This is why unity matters so much. Unity matters because people demonstrated it when we did not deserve it. And now, church, hear me say this to you. It's our turn. That you and I are meant to fight for unity under the banner of saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, because it shows people there's a God in heaven who loves, and it's only a love like that that unites it's only a love like that that crosses the boundaries that our culture today says can't be crossed, that allows the discussions that our culture today says can't be had, that allows a love that people say doesn't exist. It's amazing to think about how much God loves Jesus. It's crazy to think about that's how much he loves me. That's why he wants us to go share it. Our unity is our testimony. That's why I'm so excited about the Big Serve. That's why I'm so excited about how the Big Serve is even becoming a part of, of a broader ministry and organization called Unite New Braunfels. How it exists to serve, to meet needs, to connect people to resources, and to mobilize the Big C, Church of Jesus Christ, to where when folks would come to New Braunfels, they'd see a city on a hill, not in self-righteousness, but in real righteousness. But church, these things take action. Unity doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy in families, in marriages, in friendships, in community groups, in local churches. It's something to be worked for. It's something to be built on. That's why I love this weekend. Here's what I want to close with, guys. I want to close with just a, a practical application of this. Right now, this weekend, through the Big Serve, there's likely more than this, but we are aware of at least seven churches, including our own, that are linking arms to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ through serving generosity and giving their life across this city. I want to take time, and I want to pray for them. Like, if you're watching this and you're sitting at home, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to come and pull the kids into the room, your roommates, your community group, whomever you're gathered with, and I want you to come, and we're going to take five minutes. And we're going to put up on the screen, we're going to put a list of these six different area churches, and I'm asking you to identify one. Take five minutes, go around as a group, and pray for that church. 
Specifically, here's some of the things that I would recommend that you pray for. The first thing is, I would pray for the people. A church is a body of believers, and a local one is a committed to a mission. Pray for the members, the attenders, the folks who call that local church home. Pray that we marked in the love of Jesus Christ, in holiness, in faithfulness to him. Pray for the people. Two, pray for their pastor. Pray for the reverend. Pray for the minister. Pray for strength. Pray for grace. Pray for courage. Pray for humility. Pray for holiness. Third thing, pray that God would advance his kingdom through that local body. Pray that that body would have such a reputation of faithfulness. Everything that you would want here at the Springs Community Church for faithfulness, commitment to his word, the preaching of his gospel and advancement of serving, of calling people not to a mediocre faith of of like Christianity light, but all in service of the king who died. Pray that they would run towards the one who loved them, who purchased them, and who calls them. Church, I want to take the next five minutes and I want to live out our unity as our testimony. Because here's the thing, guys. This is not a flippant tagline on a Sunday for Springs Community Church. This is an anthem for us. This is something that we must live. Why? It is something Christ prayed for, modeled, built, died on behalf of. I want us to fight for. Our unity is our testimony. So take time Huddle up, pray with one another. We're going to take four to five minutes, and then I'll come back and we'll close. Join me now.
we'll come back together. Thank you guys for taking that time to pray. Here's what I hope. I hope there were moments of parents leading kids and praying for churches and looking up websites and learning names and drilling down and trusting God as he knows the right prayer. Springs. This is who we are. The big serve for us, it's not a weekend, it's not a moment, it's not a check the box, it's not a simply uh, sending a gift off an Amazon wish list or dropping things off at an SJRC or connections drop off. We serve because we have been served. We operate in unity because we were apart from God, we were hostile, we were offensive, and yet Christ died for us to unite us to him. Because we know unity, we live for it. Because we know unity, we fight for it. Our unity is our testimony. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for just your word, your people this weekend, the leadership, the gifts that have gone into executing everything. God, would you bless this time? Would you help folks to be strengthened, to grow in love and service? And God, may our unity be testimony. May this be the fragrant offering in his ascends to you. We know that there are reasons that people disagree and divide. We never will compromise your word and your truth. But Father, we thank you for a common unity found in your son. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see y'all again next week. Y'all go. Have a great week of worship. We'll talk to you soon.